I'd like to read uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 for our text today. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be complete and mature and lacking in nothing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Your dad was my hero. Those words came out of my uncle's mouth as we sat in a funeral home at yet another family member's funeral. Seems like the older I get, the more funerals I attend versus weddings or birth celebrations. Your dad, he said, was my hero. And then he began to tell me a story I had never heard about my father. Isn't it interesting how many stories we hear about those who we love so deeply after they're gone and only after they're gone. My uncle took me back to the beginning of World War II and he said, your dad stepped up to the plate when our oldest brother was called into the Navy in World War II and had to leave the farm. And then, right on the heels of that, our dad had a heart attack and found himself flat of his back and unable to help. Here are six other kids to take care of, children. Your dad, a young teenager, put schooling to the side, put his hopes and dreams of becoming a Methodist minister on the side, and worked the farm to keep food on the table, body and soul together, as they say. If your dad hadn't done that, I don't know what we would have done. Your dad was my hero, he said. The more I thought about that story, I asked myself, where did that come from in a young teenage Virgil Fryman? What rose to the top in him that caused him to do what he knew he needed to do? I think James has the answer. Not just for Virgil Fryman, but for every single one of us here today. When we too, as James expresses it, face tough times. How does it happen? that rising to the top of what needs to rise. I invite you over the next few moments to journey with me through these verses to find out. Count it all joy when you face trials of any kind, he says. And then he begins to give us the answer. Because you know that the testing of 
your faith. Let's stop there. The testing of your faith. Now that word test there, don't get confused. This isn't going back to second grade and do you know this or do you not know this? Will you get a 99 on your paper or will you flunk? Not that kind of a test. The word here that James uses means a test in such a way that leads to something good happening. Something good happening in your life from the test. It reminds me of how knives are made. Charles Kimbrough tells the story of watching the processes. The gentleman would take the knife blade and he would stick it into the fire and he would heat it up just to the right point. Not too hot, not too cool, just to the right point where alloys in the metal bonded together and made the knife strong. It would hold a good edge. Worst thing in the world, isn't it? Put your hand into a drawer and bring out a knife that isn't going to do the job. Knives that have been tempered that can do the job and hold the blade must begin with heat. May I ask you a question? One of several this morning. What's the heat in your life right now? And can God use that to make you stronger, not weaker? James would say, you betcha. You betcha. Now, let's not just stop there. Let's move on because he goes on to say that the testing of your faith produces something. Endurance. That word endurance in the original is the word hupomone. It's two words in the Greek put together. You know, I couldn't preach without at least throwing one Greek word out to you. I've restricted on three and got it down to one. Hupomone. Hupo means under. Mone comes from mino, meaning to live or abide. You put those two together and what do you have? The ability to live under something. How do you do that? Endurance teaches you how. I'm a diabetic. And when I go to potluck meals, I have to enjoy the green beans and enjoy the salads and a little bit of meat and pass by my beloved pecan pie. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a perfect diabetic. I have a pecan pie in my refrigerator today for Father's Day. God bless my wife. 
and I will have two pieces this week, maybe three. But I've learned to live under the sentence of diabetes. I had an aunt, Aunt Ethel, who had rheumatoid arthritis. Her sentence was daily pain. Her hands, I still can see them, curled up like that. She could no longer bake or run the sweeper. She lived that way till she died. I never once in her presence heard her complain. Why? Endurance. Her pain became a call to prayer. And in her relationship with God, she found the ability to endure it. Question number two. What is your sentence? You're living underneath. Can you, with that relationship, find the ability, as James says we can, to endure? Let's move on. The third and final thing that James talks about, let endurance have its full effect. Let endurance have its full effect. Julia Cameron writes about going to a museum one time of science and seeing the process about how an oyster creates a pearl. When there's a grain of sand that gets into its shell and begins to irritate, it begins to produce knacker. And knacker goes around that grain of sand layer upon layer upon layer upon layer until in the end bingo you have the ability to endure a grain of sand that now has become a pearl and a pearl that's quite precious I might add with that in mind a poet decided he'd put it this way there once was an oyster whose story I'll tell, who found a grain of sand had got under his shell, just one little grain, but it gave him such pain, for even oysters have feelings, although they're so plain. Now, did he berate the working of fate that had led him to such a deplorable state? No, as he lay on the shelf, he said to himself, if I cannot remove it, I'll try to improve it. So the years rolled by, as the years always do, and he came to his ultimate destiny, stew. And this small grain of sand which had bothered him so was a beautiful pearl, all richly aglow. Now this tale has a moral, for isn't it grand what an oyster can do with a morsel of sand? What couldn't we do if we only began with all of the things that get under our skin? Question number three. What 
Or who is the grain of sand in your life right now? And what will you do with it? As Robert Frost says, you're at a crossroads. You can berate it, complain about it, or release the knacker. And in the end, have a beautiful pearl to show for it. Beth Gelbreth tells a story about learning how to swim from her mother in California. Her mother, smart woman, would take a bright, shiny copper penny and she started off in the one-foot area section of the pool and she dropped it in the water and she said, now Beth, go get it. Beth would reach down and get it. Day after that, she'd take it and drop it in the two-foot side. The next day, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine feet. And every time, Beth, go get it. And with eyes stinging from the chlorine in the pool, she would come up with this shiny copper penny and laughter and exaltation. Mom, I did it. Last question. Are you in the nine foot section of the pool? It's over your head. Do you believe that God drops the penny because he knows you can swim? He knows you can swim. Years ago, Paul Harvey had a radio program called The Rest of the Story. You remember that? Some of you will. For others, that may be new to you. But Paul Harvey would tell a story in the first program, and then the subsequent program after that, he would tell you the rest of the story. The war came to a close for my dad. His brother came back from the Navy. His father got back up on his feet. And Virgil was able to follow his dream, where God had called him to preach. And I wear his robe today in honor of something that rose to the top. Yeah, rose to the top in Virgil Fryman. My last question, and I'm going to sit down. At your memorial service, at your funeral, will someone, because of your doing it, so that the right thing rises in your life, say of you, they were my hero. Amen and amen.